Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm not good at titles. In fact, I'd hardly have a title. Every time these guys ask me, what's your title? I don't know. You just put one. But, but to, tonight, I've, I've got a title. And I, I've, I've titled it Conquering Choir. Yeah. And it's not even my title. I just found it somewhere, borrowed it, and stuck it up there. You'll understand why, okay, as I go on. Now, last week, Pastor Mark set the bar up too, too high, you know. He preached, he preached an incredible message. How many of you were here last, last Sunday? Started off our 21-day fasting and prayer with an incredible evening service message. And, but I particularly enjoyed the supermarket illustration. The supermarket is always there, he said. But we only go there when we need stuff. Am I right? That's what he said. And, and he connected that with his relationship with God in the beginning where he, it, it was there. The supermarket is there, but he only went to get stuff when he needed it. So it was his relationship with God. He only went to God when he needed stuff. But we need to live in the supermarket. We need to get our sleeping bags. We need to get our pillows. We need to get our, our pajamas. We need to get our, our tooth. And we need to go and live in coals. We need to go and live in woolies. We need to go and push those, 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 those whatever you call it, and just lie down there. And because that's where we got to be, in the presence of God. Because he made it very clear last week that the whole goal or the aim of, of fasting and prayer is relationship with God. And that is what it is all about. Tonight, I'm going to, I hope I have time. I'm going to read you, are you ready? 30 verses of one chapter. Oh, oh my goodness. Because if I don't read that, you will have no idea what I'm talking about. So shut up and get ready. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm talking to myself, sorry, not you. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1 to 30. Let me have a drink first. Hang in there, take it easy. Here we go. After this, the armies of the Moabites, the Ammonites, and some of the Meonites declared war on Jehoshaphat. Man, the names. <laughs> Messengers came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army from Edom is marching against you from beyond the Dead Sea. They are already at Hazazon Tamer. Jehoshaphat was terrified by this news and begged the Lord for guidance. He also ordered everyone in Judah to begin fasting. So people from all the towns of Judah came to Jerusalem to seek the Lord's help. Jehoshaphat stood before the community of Judah and Jerusalem in front of the new courtyard at the temple of the Lord. He prayed, O Lord God of our ancestors, you alone are the God who is in heaven. You are the ruler of all the kingdoms of the earth. You are powerful and mighty. No one can stand against you. O our God, did you not drive out those who lived in this land when your people Israel arrived? Did you not give this land forever to the descendants of your friend Abraham? Your people, look at that, your people settled here and built this temple to honor your name. They said, whenever we are faced with calamities such as war, plague, or famine, we can come and stand in your presence before this temple where your name is honored. We can cry out to you to save us and you will hear us and rescue us. And now see what the armies of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir are doing. You would not let our ancestors invade those nations when Israel left Egypt. So they went around them and did not destroy them. Now see how they reward us. For they have come to throw us out of your land, which you gave us as inheritance. Oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are 
powerless. Oh, I love that word. Just mo one moment. We are powerless against this mighty army that's about to attack us. We don't know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. All the men of Judah stood before their Lord, uh, before the Lord with their little ones, wives and children. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. His name was Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, son of Benaiah, son of Jael, son of Matania, a Levite who are a descendant of Asaph. He said, listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem, listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them. You will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens up into the wilderness of Jerol. But you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, stand still, and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshipping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood up in the midst of everybody bowing down. This group stood up to praise the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went out into the wilderness of Tekoa. On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, Listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, and you'll be able to stand firm. Believe in the prophets, and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing to the Lord and praising Him for His holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. At that very moment, they began to sing and give praise. The Lord caused the armies of Ammon, Moab, Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves. The armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them. After they had destroyed the army of Seir, they began attacking each other. So when the army of Judah arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness, all they saw was dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. King Jehoshaphat and his men went out to gather the plunder. Listen to this. They found vast amounts of equipment, clothing, and other valuables, more than they could carry. There was so much plunder, plunder that it took them three days to collect it all. Wow. On the fourth day, they gathered in the Valley of Blessing, which got its, got its name that day because the Lord praised uh, and thanked the because the people praised and thanked the Lord there. It is still called the Valley of Blessing today. Then all the men returned to Jerusalem with Jehoshaphat leading them, overjoyed that the Lord had given them victory over the enemies. They marched into Jerusalem to the music of harps, lyres, and trumpets, and they proceeded to the temple of God. When all the surrounding kingdoms heard that the Lord himself had fought against the enemy of Israel, the fear of God came over them. So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. Amen. Bless the reading of his word. Powerful, isn't it? This is a classic passage of scripture from the Old Testament. I love the Old Testament. So much stuff in there, so much thing. In this passage alone, you can preach message after message from this passage alone. But I just want to uh, just look at a, just, just touch surface level because of time. Just what's out there that we can see very clearly. In this event, there are four key elements we need when facing the enemy. What are they? Fasting, prayer, the word, and worship. The king came and called for a national fast. He led the prayer meeting in front of the temple. He declared the promises of God, that's the word, over the people, and then worship took off. 
It was all, it was united. It was an all-in kind of thing. Everybody doing, to get, doing this together as one. Just as we are, have come together in this 21-day fast and prayer as Faith Christian Church. All six campuses coming together to do this as one. Look, I'm going to unpack these 30 verses under four headings. Are we ready? Let's go. First, the crisis. A very large army came against Judah. A confederation of three nations that have been their enemies since the very beginning. They had camped at En Gedi, which is about 15 to 20 miles from Jerusalem. Oh, man, that you could even smell the guys, the soldiers' armpit. You could smell their bad breath. It's that near they were. They were armed, ready, and they had one focus. And that focus was the total destruction of Jerusalem and the kingdom of Judah. So you might ask me under your breath, because you're afraid to say it loudly, but you might ask under your breath, why is this guy talking about something that happened in 850 BC, almost 3,000 years ago? Well, let me tell you, because Jesus himself said in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have trouble. Wow, I love you, Jesus. Thank you. You're telling us you will have trouble. So if you're wondering why sometimes you got trouble when you open the front door and get up in the morning, because Jesus said so. Wow, thank you, Jesus. But this trouble or enemy may not appear to you as uniformed soldiers carrying weapons, uh, spears or AK-47s or whatever they carry. But this enemy today is still very real. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, for we, listen to this, watch, read that, we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers. Oh, hang on. What? Mighty powers in the dark world and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Oh, John 10, 10, Jesus says, the thief's only purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that, right? The devil's only reason for being here is to steal, kill, and destroy. There's a battle church going on every day, all over the world, for our souls, for our minds, and for our hearts. It comes in all forms and shapes. Some very obvious. Most of them camouflage to make it look harmless, entertaining, captivating, inviting. The voice or the sound of this world is loud, shouting us down, driving us into a corner, calling us small-minded, narrow-minded, bigoted, calling us old-fashioned, out of tune, out of touch, out of our minds. That's the cultural world of today. That you and I get up in the morning, we wake up, we switch on this, we switch on that, we talk here, we, do this, we get out there, and it slams into our face. It's the culture wars. And they've not just begun, they've begun a long time ago. But if you and I know about this, if we are sensitive to this, they are intensifying in a rate that you cannot imagine. Way beyond even trying to cope with the situation. The culture was here and they're not going to leave very soon. Yes, folks, the enemy looms large and invincible. I know the enemy is real. I've sat down, my wife and I, we've sat down, sorry, we've sat down with the grandparents this last few weeks, praying with them, crying with them, 
listening to them. They are broken hearts because their 17-year-old granddaughter has brain cancer and the doctors have said she's got less than a year. I've, we've sat down with parents whose children, are, 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 they, they have no idea what to do anymore. We've sat down there and they've just shrugged their shoulders. They've thrown their arms out. I don't know what to do, Mike. I don't know what to do to her. I, I, we've been doing, we, we, we've been stuck here with this, this situation for months upon months and upon years. They are lost because their kids are in, in, in addictions. Their kids are in rebellion. Uh, the kids are, are lost in mental illness and, and, and pain and suffering. We've sat down with these families who have nothing but tears coming out of their eyes. We've sat down with broken, broken homes, broken families, separated couples with young children who have so much bitterness, so much hatred, so much anger that the fact that these kids are running around their, their feet has no, no bearing to their situation. Now, it doesn't matter. I'm walking out of this. This is ridiculous. I can't handle it. I, I, I can't stand her. I can't stand him. And they walk away. I've sat down with a bunch of young people throughout these few years and I've seen one young man who has no idea, no idea what tomorrow holds for him. What next month looks like. So much more, what's less for the year. I don't know. He doesn't even know what's happening tomorrow. He struggles to get up in the morning because he doesn't know what's, what's there for him. I've sat with a young man in the middle of a public place in a cafe drinking coffee, crying like a baby because he's opening up to me about his broken heart. I've sat down with a young man and talked to him for ages. And all I see over and over again is this, this, this emptiness, this vast emptiness, this, this, I don't know what to do. I know the enemy is real. So church, what did Jehoshaphat do when he realized as a king, he was powerless? Number two, the process. Out of desperation, Jehoshaphat set out a four-point plan. He called for a fast. He called a prayer meeting. <laughs> he declared God's promises. And he began to worship. You see, Jehoshaphat was a godly man. He knew what to do because he had a, Zechariah Pastor he had a relationship with God. God wasn't supermarket style to him. He didn't just go to God because, oh, something I can get from him. No, no. Because he had a relationship with God, he knew he could go to God because he knew that God would hear him. So he had a relationship with God. It was not uh, ad hoc. It was not, oh, I got a need now. Man, I better go to God. No, no. He had a relationship because his father had a relationship with God. His father was in a similar situation, King Asa. And he probably saw it or he heard it and he realized, man, I got to have a relationship with this God because this God answers prayers. So I want to have a relationship with him. So out of that relationship with him, King Jehoshaphat turned to God. Nobody had to tell him what to do. He made the call. You see, Jehoshaphat's prayer from verse 6 to 12 is not just a prayer. We've got to, that's another day, another message because there's so much packed into that. It's not just a prayer. It's a declaration. It's an anthem. It's a banner raised to the powerful name of Jehovah. You know, I mentioned earlier, isn't it, that some of you might be wondering, why am I preaching a story that's 3,000 years old? Well, 
Because the same devil, the same enemy that bothered them, is the same enemy today. <laughs> but let me tell you, church, are you ready? You know what I'm going to say, right? The same God that Jehovah worshipped 3,000 years ago is the same God that we just worshipped just now. The same God, church. He didn't go to sleep. He's got no birthday. Happy birthday, God. He has no beginning and no end. Revelations 1.8, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord. I am the one who is, who, will always, who, who always was and who is still to come. Oh, man, what a powerful verse. Guys, don't just look at me. Write it down. Take it up somewhere. All right? Take a picture. Not of me, but that. Jehoshaphat turned his face to his God because Romans 1.20 says he has eternal power. Not just earthly power, not just temporary power, not just power enough for a battery to fill up, you know, whatever to, games or whatever stuff you're playing. No, he has eternal power, church. He has power, are you ready? For the powerless. <laughs> Somebody's got to hear this. Somebody's got to hear this. You're powerless. You're helpless. You have no idea what to do. You don't know where to go. You don't know who to call. You don't know when the world is going on. Well, you're powerless. You know what? He's powerful. Oh, hallelujah. He's eternally powerful. Our God is eternally powerful. There's no one that can match his power because he's the creator of power. He's the almighty God. Church, come on. There is a mighty God that you can put your hand onto if you and I admit that we are powerless. Daniel 6.26 says, For he is the living God, and he will endure forever. Throughout history, our God has been working. He has never stopped working, or he's never stopped speaking. Maybe, church, maybe. Listen, maybe the enemy thinks he's loud. That kid is very loud. <laughs> maybe he thinks he's got the upper hand. Maybe he thinks he's got us into a corner. Maybe he thinks we've got us running away with our tails between our legs if we have tails. Maybe he thinks that he's, he's powerful. Maybe he thinks that he can, he can scare us and, and yell at us and, and put, make faces and we'll all go cowering in fear. Maybe we are afraid sometimes to speak up, stand up and face the enemy. But tonight, can I just remind us, but you and I need to be reminded that our God is alive. Our God is powerful. Our God is eternal. Our God is majestic. Jeremiah 10, 10 and 12. Oh. But the Lord is the true God. He's the living God. He's the eternal King. When He is angry, oh, the earth trembles. The nations cannot endure His wrath. But God made the earth by His power. He founded the world by His wisdom. He stretched out the heavens by His understanding. This is the God that you and I serve. This is the God that when you, when you say to someone, I'm a Christian, this is the God we serve. This is the God you're talking about. I'm a Christian. This is the God, church. I'm acting like a fool so that you can get something out of this. I'm not always a fool. Ask my wife. 
Tonight he wants to work in our lives. Oh, how many of you want that? How many of you know that? Oh, come on, church. I want God to work in our lives. He wants to heal. He wants to speak. He wants to lift up. He wants to encourage. He wants to anoint. He wants to bless. He wants to pour his favor. He wants to hold those who are lonely. Those who go back tonight to, to your own little room by your own little self and you're wondering, when's this going to end? He wants to hold those who are broken, who are sad. He wants to hold those who, are, those who will weep every night by yourself in your room. He wants to hold you. He's our Savior. He's our Father. Thirdly, very quickly, the reply. How many of you like my headings? I did that myself. <laughs> yes. After an intense time of prayer, God spoke to the prophet Jehaziel. God spoke to them, told them what to do, how to do it. And this is where the famous phrase comes from. The battle is not yours, but it's God's. But you see, he tells us what to do. Wow, God, you're amazing. He tells us what to do. Today, listen. This is what God told them to do, what to do. And, and listen very carefully. He says, don't be afraid. Hmm. Don't be discouraged. Take your positions. Stand still. <laughs> and watch. Yeah, that's going to happen, God. When an enemy comes attacking me, when I'm sick, when I've got cancer, when my family's broken up, when my children are going to be taken away from me, when I know that I'm, you know, I'm never going to be married, when I know, when this, that, this, that, what? You want me to stand still? You want me to keep quiet? You want me to, to watch? What, are you crazy, God? What's the matter with you? I got to do something. I got to run around. I got to be like a Michael Raj, you know, just running around everywhere. I got to do something. But God is saying what everybody else says the opposite. See, God doesn't care what the world says. He's not bothered. He's not interested. He wants you to hear what He is saying. Are you listening to me, church? He wants you here, every one of you. Come on. Come on, everyone. Come on. Huh? He wants you to hear what He is saying. Huh? Maybe I'm rude right now. Maybe a bit offensive. I don't care. But He wants you to hear what He is saying to you. You got a problem? You got a crisis? You got troubles coming up? Well, here we go. God said, don't be afraid. Whoa. Don't be discouraged. Don't go, put the blanket over his I'm not coming out. Shut the door. Don't be discouraged. Get up, have breakfast, put a toast. Not when you're fasting. And after this, you know, go out and hang out and do something. Do, you know what? Don't be discouraged. The opposite is, be, have, have courage, be happy. Take your positions. What's that? I think it's something to do with our knees. Something to do about God in heaven. I come to you. Thank you. I can cry out to you because you hear me. I think it's got something to do with that. And then it's also got something to do with opening our Bibles and reading the promises of God. Yeah. And then it says, Stand still. Take your positions, positions and stand still. And then watch. Just watch. And the key to this absolutely crazy, insane, I'm marching to my funeral military strategy is faith. Faith in a God who loves me. Trusting in a God that he cares for me. 
and he knows what I need and what I want. That's what we got to do. But, but really? Really? Just really? I'm, ha- I'm having fun. This is great. Connect group's fun. The gathering's going to be fun. Woo, you know, all this is fun. But really? Can I trust God with my life? Can I trust God with my future? Can I tr- really, really trust God with my family? Really? I mean, come on, God, come on. Come on, this is all nice. Can I? I'm going to read you something. Max Lucado. Please take a look at it for a moment. Nam, would you come up for me, please? Thank you. But who has plumbed the depths of God's love? Only God has. Want to see the size of my love? He invites. Ascend the winding path outside of Jerusalem. Follow the dots of bloody dirt until you crest the hill. Before looking up, pause and hear me whisper, this is how much I love you. Whip ripped muscles drape his back. Blood pours down his face. His eyes and lips are swollen shut. Pain rages at at wildfire intensity. As he sings to relieve the agony of his legs, his airway closes. At the edge of suffocation, he shoves pierced muscles against a spike and inches up the cross. He does this for hours, painfully up and down, until his strength and our doubts are gone. Does God love you? Behold the cross and behold your answer. God loves you. God loves you. You can put your hand in his hand. Young people, listen to me. You can put your hand in his hand and trust him for your future. Trust him for your life partner. Trust him for your career. Those of us, all of us, you can trust him because God loves us. There's nothing else that he wants to do but love us. That's why we are here. Because His love is... Finally, the band come up also. Come on, let's all have a bit of a party up here. Come on. Victory. That's the fourth point. You see, the king, (coughs) they all got ready early in the morning. They went out, the soldiers out. They all, you know, polished this, this and that. They got their spears, their swords, their whatever ready. The shields, oh man, they were, they were ready. They were prayed up. They were ready to go. Enemies out there. Beyond imagination. But they prayed. God spoke to them. And then, very interesting, the king himself got together, consulted with the people. And this is interesting because you would think, you think that God said this. But no, the king got together and said, you know what? I'm going to send Pastor Mark and the worship team up front. I'm going to send the worship team. In fact, I'm going to send my son right to the front to see the soldiers. That's a joke, you know, okay, that's all right. I'm going to send the worship team, the army, the army's here. The army's at the back. They're ready. Woohoo! You know, they've got their horses, they've got their whatever, you know. But then King Jehoshaphat says, "Uh, uh, hang on, Pastor Mark, worship team, you get get there. Pastor Mark's like, I'm not getting there. I'm not going to be the first one to die. (laughs) And the worship team gets out. They, They get at the front. 
they get their guitars, they get their uh, olden day music, harps, lyres, whatever, you know, whatever. And then they get up there and they start singing. Ah, oh, ah, oh, it's insane. Hello, insanity personified beyond reason. Worship team in front of the army. Yeah, King said, do it or I'll kill you. No, he didn't say that. <laughs> he got them up at the front and they began to worship. Oh, can you picture these people 3,000 years ago? And, and, they, and they sang, and they sang, and they sang. And then the time came for the soldiers to come and they got to the, the top somewhere and then they looked up and guess what? Dead bodies as far as the eyes could see. Dead bodies. How many of you seen a dead body? Don't answer. Oh, dead bodies all over the place. Dead bodies, folks. Dead bodies. Soldiers all chopped up. Heads gone. Arms gone. Legs gone. Bodies gone. Intestines out. Whatever. Eyes out. I mean, my goodness. It was fantastic. It was awesome. Oh, dead bodies. God did it. God did it. <laughs> he did what he said he would do. God did it. Church, God did what he said he would do. Today, he will do what he said he will do for you. What's your name? Tell your name. Call, call yourself your names. Alex, call. Whatever. Come on, come on. Speak it out. Come on, everyone. Everyone, speak your name out. Shout it out. Shout it out. Come on, that's it. Shout it out. You've got the victory. 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 You've got the victory, folks. You've got the victory. I'm going to shut up and stand, get down soon. But one last point. Take a breath. Verse 22. And this is important. This is very important. Verse 22 is very important. At the very moment, they began to sing. At the very moment, they began to open their mouth and began to worship at the very moment. You know what the scripture says? God did it. That's when God did it. That's when God did it. At the very moment, they began to worship. At the very moment, they began to sing. At the very moment, they began to cry out to God. Oh, wonderful God, Savior, wonderful Jesus. Bam, God moved. I I have this picture that God can't just, he can't sit down. Man, he was, he was excited. He was jumping up and down. You know, the earth was ram red, the, the rumbling, the heavens were going crazy. The angels were going all over the place because his people were worshiping. His people, and he couldn't handle it. So he had to go down and do what he said he will do. He moved, he intervened, he acted, he answered, he worked. Tonight, God wants to do God wants to work in our lives. He wants to intervene. He wants to come in with His powerful hand and sort some things out. He wants to come in and speak into your ears. He wants to come in and change something that's in your heart. Maybe your heart's a bit hard. Maybe there's some stuff that's happened. Maybe there's a bit of anger. Maybe there's a bit of, you know what? He wants to come in and just touch you and melt your heart because of His great love. Maybe He wants to give you a picture of the cross and of His suffering. Who knows what God wants to do to, for you and to you right now. But would you, would you open your hearts and say, yes, God, come, come fill me. Come fill me. Come touch me. Come speak to me. Come do something in my life because I'm going to be open right now. I want you to come by the Holy Spirit and do an amazing thing in my life. 
Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.